Welcome to Wisco Dice! Welcome to Wisco Dice! Ah. Hey, whoa, what, what was that? I don't know. That was, that was pretty <laughs> I'm aggressive. scared, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, it no, was it's, fear, fear it's, in my voice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, hey folks, this is your host, uh, Conzi with the Most. We are uh, joined by our my illustrious co-host, I should say we, I mean I am joined by my <laughs> co- illustrious co-host, the one, the only... Me, myself, Brian. Maybe I can still be Star Craving Man. I don't know. I don't really do much derby stuff anymore. Yeah, and whatever. It doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> nope. So still Star Craving Man as far as we're concerned. All right. And we are recording live from Dugansdale Studios. Dun, dun, dun. We're actually in in the using actual mics and a mixer this time. It is Saturday, September 17th. This is episode 70, I believe. Hopefully. Sounds about right. I think so. If we numbered them all, 69 and three quarters. Or I, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that last one actually went out, that last panel oh, okay. report. So the, the last garage report. So it's still sitting. It's still sitting. I still have the audio file. So we might still release that one after this one. So it'll be, it'll turn into from seven, 69 and three quarters to 70 and a half. Ha ha ha. So anyways, uh, what, what's been... Uh, what do we want to talk about today? Since we really didn't attack this with any kind of agen- agenda or anything. Ah, uh, we didn't. I guess. I mean, I have some. There's a lot going on in the bolt action scene. Yeah. From bolt action 2.0. Somebody got their book already. I hope mine's waiting at home. We'll yeah, see what I the hope so too. Postman thought about that. We played a game of 2.0. If you want to talk about that, Ben's horrible defeat i don't know if he wants to mention that <laughs> so. no, we, we definitely we definitely have bolt action 2.0 to talk about today we also have uh, a little bit of um, i think some age of sigmar things there's a lot of news so we're gonna we're gonna catch up a lot i think on the news and what things there's been a lot of big things that have released product wise so on the age of sigmar front you have the general's handbook so we'll talk a little bit about that we do have conflict 47 i got my starter set and i'm building for the germans yep conflict 47 which is basically another bolt action game yep gen con a little bit uh, it's been a while yeah, we since gen con but, never do uh, a gen we'll con talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. coverage did we so i think we got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time so let's go ahead and just cover the things that were in the news the big things so let's start with the big one for the age of sigmar side of things which is the general's handbook mm-hmm. we both have it now yeah i picked it up i honestly haven't read a lot i've skimmed through quite a bit but I haven't played a game of Age of Sigmar in a bit, so I haven't actually had a chance to use it even, but it is pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. I I, I picked up mine, and I'm the same way. I have not really read the book entirely. I've just kind of flipped through it. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest interest was the to start with was the fact that it introduced points for everything in the game. Yeah, it has legitimate points. Legitimately everything, including the old Tomb Kings, everything, basically everything that they've put out a War Scroll for, there is points for up to the publishing of that book. Yep. I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to treat points to models that they that release after ones. the General's Handbook. If they're if there's going to be addendums or if they're going to put that up online for free or how they're going to handle yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think about that. Although they still, when they release new models, they're still releasing a book with them generally. Or yeah, maybe so even that too. Maybe there'll be a the section book. in the newer mm-hmm. books when they come out. That'd make a lot of sense. But yeah, unfortunately I haven't actually gotten to play a game. There's a lot of scenarios in there too. Kind of some campaign-y type stuff. And yeah. the points, I haven't even played a pointed game. And I did stop out a couple nights, I think, to Pegasus. There's quite a few new guys. Like, last time I was in there, I think there was three games going on, and they are all they were all new guys, so that was pretty cool. Tons of undead, but I think they were all just putting stuff on the table. I don't even think mo- most of them played scenarios. 
so they weren't using the points or anything so i didn't really get any basic basis for it there but they were still having a blast playing the regular game with all their new forces so so i guess what what that means is not only pick up your general's handbook but make sure that you're in the madison if you're in the madison area that you go by uh, monday nights at pegasus games and mm-hmm. there's likely some some uh age of sigmar play yeah they've been there quite a bit they haven't really like posted about it but it seems like pretty regular almost lately as far as what i've seen which is really good and it's kind of expected the college kids kind of come back and i think age of sigmar is a game uh while i i know i'm not real hot on it is it's very it, casually it's, oriented it's very I'd casual say. and it's very easy to pick up and play without having to worry about the huge investment of models like yeah. you used to have to deal with or so. even just going and playing a one-off game like um some some guys for a bit you were you even played a game of ninth age and like I got offered it a couple times and I was actually a little discouraged to go play ninth age just because the rules are a little tougher and I'm not super familiar with it I mean I guess I do have some of the old fantasy rules in my mind still but like age of sigmar is such an easier game to play like it's a lot easier just to kind of show up with your models throw them around on the table a bit like I feel like ninth age took a little more planning with building a list and trying to remember how to play warhammer and stuff like that yeah, I totally agree, and I think uh, the big thing that I'm seeing with Age of Sigmar, and I, I, I like Ninth Age better as a game, it's a more complete game, but the problem is, is there isn't a huge player base right no. now for it, it's, it's, it's still the, the people that are hanging on to that old Warhammer fantasy yeah. thing more than anything else. It's, it's a not, really good feel that way, but yeah, unfortunately there's not, at least around here, there's not a big base for it. There's, there's a few people that want to play, which is, mm-hmm. which is nice, so I can, I can get a game every once in a while. Um, and I, I don't mind, especially since uh, uh, the Avatar, uh, was it? Yeah, the Avatars of War, I think it is. The Toughest Girls in the Galaxy Wave 2 Kickstarter is they finally uh, had the, uh, put up their pledge manager so that you could pick out which models you want. They're getting, they're, which means they're closing in on getting ready to deliver the models. What models are they? So they, if you remember, the Raging Heroes has the, or yeah, that's, yeah, Raging yeah, Heroes is the so. company. They have I have a bunch of those witch elf models right now mm-hmm. uh, that they're all, they're they're metal they're all metal witch elves and they do a resin cast of that same witch elf. Well, the, oh yeah, they basically expanded that witch elf line to do the entire basically everything that's that was available in what almost everything would be available in the dark elf book. Oh really? The wow. old dark elf book, which unfortunately that 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 part doesn't exist. But what it does let me do is it gets I'm getting. Like I picked up, uh, or I'm getting like 25, of, including a command of the models with the two-handed swords, basically the executioner versions, kind of, yeah. because I don't have executioners to begin with, and those are really cool. And then they've got you don't have any of them. Uh, I I don't have any of the plastic ones. I might have oh, some old no, metal like, ones, but I, I don't, yeah, I thought you had like tenors. I think I have yeah, so, not enough old to, metal ones, not enough to put on the table. Unless you sold them, I don't know. No, I Conzi eBay star. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's been going too. Um, but I haven't got rid of those yet, and uh, I did get rid of some dark elf stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I got, I think twenty five of the uh, elves with the repeating crossbows too, as mm-hmm. the female models. So that gives me, I think I got like twenty five or thirty witch elf models from Aging Heroes. 
um, in that that style of model. I've got like 25 the crossbow models and 25 of these uh, uh, great sword models. So I've got a, a nice base to an all female dark elf army. All oh, they're all Rachel. female. Yeah, too? all female. Oh, I didn't no males. That. I haven't seen this. It's the toughest models. girls in the galaxy. Okay, well that makes Raging Heroes sense for that. Yeah. <laughs> so and then they and then they'll have a whole swath because it's you, the as a Kickstarter backer you get like everything that was the special character models as well. So there's like twelve or some other oh, okay. character models. Now not all those character models are um, dark elves, but there's like twelve character models in total. Are that all you're getting. I haven't actually seen them. Are they more armored than the regular, like, yeah, the, sword the, and the two-handed sword? The two-handed sword ones look like they're actually in heavy armor. Interesting. Um, the uh, the crossbow elf chicks have uh, uh, female elves have uh, uh, some armor on them as well. They're not hmm. they're not the new basically oh, new G string uh, witch elves with different weapons. Yeah, witch elves. <laughs> yeah, that so, sounds pretty cool. So I, I think it'll. It, so it's actually got me when I get that shows up. It's actually got me kind of in, inspired to start working on some of the witch elf models. Uh, I've already got some built to get them primed up and just start fiddling around, painting Th- with them. Throw them out for AOS or uh, in your dark my, elf army. My intention is to build them on square bases and yeah. play them for Ninth Age. But uh, yeah, having them done, I'll play them in AOS. Yeah, too. they could go either way. Um, they probably do go either <laughs> way. <laughs> so, so, but this is a family show. Back on the general's handbook, though, the, which were way off topic. Well, I guess I guess <laughs> that's that was a Raging good Heroes tidbit is, of information. Yeah, that's, that's actually news. Yeah. Um, but the the general's handbook, uh, on top of the points thing, which we really talked about, you did mention the campaign stuff. Yep. Had, and I, I remember having the old Games Workshop had this general's compendium. Uh, well, they uh, or something else. There was a general's handbook. I think it might have been. I no, thought it was called the compendium. Yeah, I, mean, I have that old. I have thing. it. I have it somewhere. It's on downstairs somewhere. Talk about how to run different campaigns yeah map based campaigns ladder campaigns and that was like the best at the time was like the best supplement that they ever put out this has got like this is focused more about that kind of gaming than the it it has like at the end it's like oh hey after you sifted through all this other (laughs) stuff at the end here's your points match and your competitive play but the rest of it it's so much of it is about like doing campaigns ladder play kind of three sections to the book i'd say like there's Mm -hmm. the points and then the campaign kind of and slash like there's kind of a story based campaign in there too, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. I thought there it's was like kind of different ways to do story based battle, and then like the map and yeah. the bracketed kind of campaigns. So what what's really nice about it, and I that I thought and I picked out of it is because it has so, and it's so much of an emphasis on on pick up uh, on the campaign play and the narrative play that even if you're not a, a GW player, so to speak, like yes, it's focused towards Age of Sigmar, but all of that campaign material that's in there is really good no matter what the game system is. It's True. it's the foundations for doing this in, in whatever game system you might want. So it's a and it was a I think thirty five dollars retail US. Yeah, it wasn't too expensive. So it's it's not an expensive, it's still a fairly it's a pretty well, big book. It is a paperback book, but it is a fairly decent quality book mm-hmm. with great pictures. It, it it I was really flabbergasted it's full at the color price point. Full everything color, through the yeah. whole thing. So it's a it's a very nice quality product for thirty five dollars. Probably the best product that Games Workshop I've seen Games Workshop put out in since they put out the Nagash End Times book. Because yeah. I loved in and, and, <laughs> and Nagash himself. I was totally um, surprised by the price point on it too. I guess it yeah. is paperback, but still, it's, I feel like I got my money's worth on that. For I, sure. I've, I've yeah, I, I haven't bought a GW product and used it yet. Forever, <laughs> exactly. yeah. But yeah, how you said the kind of crossover for a campaign. I know we use the old general compendium in ways like that too. It just kind of helps for a lot of different 
gameplay to have kind of that base to work off of if you're unfamiliar with how to run any kind of campaign for anything. Even if you are familiar, it's got great ideas oh, yeah. as what you can do, yeah. or maybe what you, how do you structure things, um, whether you want to translate that maybe to a, a World War II game, or you want to translate that to 40K, or whatever you want to do, it's 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 really, I thought, really good. So, mm-hmm. so there's that. Really so, good supplement. So we co- I think that covers the General's Handbook. Any other last thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think we got it. All right, so uh, let's move into um, uh, let's let's move into uh, Gen Con quick. Aww. let's do Gen Con. I'm really quick, excited, and then, we'll ra- and then we'll wrap this up with super with, excitement with all of the stuff from Warlords game, Warlord right. games. Yeah, we'll keep that all together. All right. So <laughs> I went to Gen Con. I did not. Yeah, you did not. You really should go sometime. Like sometime, it's totally this, worth it. Gen Con's the more all around gaming convention yeah. right the big but, one but it's it's gotten it's it's gotten so huge now that it doesn't really matter what you're doing if you want to do wargaming like i sat and talked to the we, we speak about like the warlord games guys mm. i i sat and talked to the warlord games crew for about a half hour 45 minutes on the con floor talked to him about yeah. mayhem i talked to him about i talked to him about you know conflict 47 i talked to him about bolt action in the second edition mm-hmm. um i t- it was a really cool conversation um, seeing like the in, Infinity treats uh, so Corvus Belly that does Infinity like they do, um, just they go all out pretty much for Gen Con. So like they, they don't necessarily have a crazy booth, but they have like their tables and terrain and stuff like that is all just super high quality. Um, the tournaments that they run there, Gen Con is one of their flag you know flagstone type tournaments that they run um, um, here in the U.S. And then you have uh, uh, Weird. Um, so I've been getting into Malifaux recently, but Weird always has just a crazy awesome booth at Gen Con. Is so is so does Privateer Press, because you you like Privateer Press. Uh, yeah, I was getting back into the War Machine a bit, but I never really quite made it there. I just <laughs> you I got don't a model painted though, right? I did finish one. I started like a handful more. Like compared to how fast the bolt action paint up, I think is what discouraged me a little bit. Because <laughs> actually, like layering and washing and highlighting, dry brushing and. It's everything like that. And like, I felt like I was limiting the palette a little bit, but man, I had so many paints just to paint those men off dudes. <laughs> like I probably was using like at least 20. There's probably more than 20. It's probably closer to like 30 colors compared to like my bolt action stuff. I've done with like 12, I think. And I've painted like everything in bolt action. So I actually really saw the benefit of limiting your palette a bit, but I guess, I mean, I am counting like all three layers of like a base and, wash and a highlight well, every, highlight, time, you, every so. time you have to grab a different pod i mean that's yeah probably count. i felt like it was just slowing down that's that's so, like the difference I don't know. you paint something really nice and you paint something with like a lot of different colors uh-huh. or something like that i've watched that people slow right down so i'm like teaching speed painting uh that's like the first thing that you've got they've got to you've mm-hmm. got to stop like you've got to limit that down you gotta like what's what's the primary color for that model do that dry brush it wash it done yeah okay Dry brush. You 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 or you should you paint it your base color. You you dry brush it and then you and then you throw a real brief, real, real light highlight layer and then you wash it and you're done. Like mm-hmm. okay, and then you pick out your little bits and that's it. Your model's done. Like that's the idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. The I don't know my manos stuff just didn't. I mean, it definitely wasn't quick. I don't think it took me that long in actuality to do a guy, but I just didn't feel motivated to do it. So I kind of sidetracked him i got into other bolt action shiny stuff that was just more instant <laughs> gratification and i only played like a couple games of 
um, War Machine. Like, I still feel like it's kind of hard to one-off play. They did have a some kind of, like, starter escalation type league going, but I didn't really feel like committing to it. So it was... I bring that up because there was a lot of new people playing, so I was kind of on even ground with that. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, it didn't quite set off with me. Not to segue things back to... <laughs> nope, that, no, that's... that's I guess. A, but, yeah, like, Private but that was a thing going on. Private Press is... Uh, big at gen, at gen con as well so uh, i did take a bunch of pictures and they're already they've already been up and up on the website and stuff uh, yep. at least linked where you can get to see them on the website i think it's like 200 some pictures this year um the big thing i mean i've talked about gen con in previous years gen con is a huge massive like you if you've been to adepticon because that's really the war gamers convention and yes there is more for a war gamer probably at adepticon as far as gameplay than there is at gen con um, but Gen Con was massive, and I did play, like I did, I did a lot of stuff. I did the True Dungeon stuff again. We did three runs through t- True Dungeon. Um, probably had our worst run ever at True Dungeon. Oh man! Our, like as far as like the satisfaction of the end of the of the round, like we, we went oh, through really? a puzzle on our last run through. It was a puzzle run. It was like seven puzzles and three combat rooms, and we failed like every puzzle but one, <laughs> and. Yeah, and then we got in like the end monster. Then was like a beholder that nobody could beat. Like it was just impossible to beat. <laughs> like the, like you walk out and you're like in the wrap up room and it like the little thing they put up above where you you give the person your stuff for the end of the end of the round and they they give you stuff back. Uh-huh. They they're like there's a little uh, bit of writing on the wall and it basically said you're dead. Yeah, you <laughs> too bad you couldn't kill the beholder. Like ha. <laughs> Which makes sense, like in D, from yeah, D terms, a, a sure. level four party should, probably should not be able to handle themselves against a beholder. So, <laughs> so there is that. But that uh, there's, true dungeon was fun. I uh, shopping was great, although I didn't buy an actual game, a a, a game by itself. I bought expansions. I bought miniatures. I bought Infinity Miniatures, I bought Drop Zone Commander's Miniatures, I bought, uh, for Drop Zone Commander, I got the Reconquest Phase 2 book, I bought, for Infinity, so I've been playing some Infinity as well, mm-hmm. I bought some uh, Military Orders for my Pan O. You did quite a bit of, didn't you have like some Infinity Seminar things or something that you uh, did at Gen Yeah, Con? I did actually attend the uh, the big, the big uh, it was free, so oh, really? that, that oh. was awesome. I didn't know and, that. And they gave you a figure besides. Oh, really? So... The big thing with it was that it was, it was they're t- talking about all their f- up- upcoming releases. I mean, it's basically for them. It's they're advertising they're advertising what's coming up to people in the room that's excited about the game. Sure. Um, and there was like they, I think they had two hundred tickets or something like that that they sold for the room. So, hmm. uh, or that you could pick up for the room. So that was awesome as well. And 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 like I said, I had no idea I was going to get a free miniature. I was just going to I just sat and took pictures. And I took there was like a picture of every slide they yeah. put up. I put up on my whatever. <laughs> but there's. If you really want to catch the seminar, there's like a ton of wet YouTube videos and stuff that they, they had about right. it. But like, the biggest thing, that there are a couple of big things that I came came out of that was one, they really talked about and they really want to as far as something they want to do, but it's it, it's really just chicken scratch at this point. But they really want to do a uh, fantasy game, which hmm. I'd be really curious to see how that would work if, if they modify the Infinity rule set to make that work. It says close combat in Infinity really isn't a thing right now. 
So in, in a fantasy game. game, yeah, it's a big mm-hmm. shooty game with close combat as kind of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, so making close combat more of an emphasis because in in epic high fantasy games, close combat's really the thing, and that's where it's at usually. Yeah. But I would really like to see a, a skirmish, a really a, a, a company that's that's got a fairly big because there are some skirmish level games out there right now that are pretty good, but uh, like Frostgrave that. But I just there aren't enough people playing it to to make it, and and there's more times out there. But there's not a really good yeah. skirmish skirmish level fantasy, fantasy game that a, that a fairly big vendor is pushing or, or manufacturing right now. So it'd be kind of cool to see mm-hmm. Corvus Belly do that. Um, the other thing that they kind of talked about was uh, you have these uh, I don't remember what the remotes or they're not remotes or whatever they're little bots. Um, that you and they're making it like a Mario Kart bot racing oh, yeah. game uh, <laughs> that you could that, that you could play like that sounds like a lot of fun like you could, if you something you could put on like a, a a board or something like that like a table board or something like that that doesn't need like a four by four play space but could play on like a, a normal game board and you just push the push the bots around the board and and be able to to do things like. They, they literally the picture they had like a bot shooting a shell like that that was hilarious <laughs> but. Yeah. But maybe not quite that silly. But yeah, a, a futuristic bot racing game. I think that would be kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. So they had a couple other things that I took out of that. But the the thing is, they gave, they give away a limited edition, only available at Gen Con, only if you attend that seminar. No other way to buy that model um, at that. And apparently, the model I didn't know, um, but it's it's for uh, US Adrian or Ariana Ariadna, uh, <laughs> however you pronounce it. Um, but it, it, they're a fairly popular faction, and particularly here in the states. And I had won a U.S. Ariadna starter box at uh, Blood in the Sun. Oh, really? And I they had the Unknown Ranger, which the which is a uh, which is another U.S. Ariadna limited edition Gen Con model <laughs> uh, that you could buy for twenty bucks. Twenty bucks for a single model is a little much, but whatever. Um, the game is not necessarily cheap when you talk mo- price per model. You don't need very many models. Yeah, right? that is the yeah. I mean, you fifteen, sixteen, out, twenty models tops if depending on the faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten to twelve is probably more realistic. Well, depending on how you want to play. If you're going to play competitive ITS, you're probably playing in the yeah. sixteen. I'm sure you have 15, extra 16 models. options and whatever you get into yeah. too. So. I I have a ridiculous amount of infinity you models now. So three armies now. Or something. Well, I only have. Two armies. I, technically, I had that USRD, <laughs> but I was going yeah. some Ariadna, but I, I was going somewhere with that. So, for Merry Mayhem this year, we're going to give away US Ariadna for our, our Infinity players. We'll be here for the Infinity Raffle. We'll be the, the starter box. We'll give away that. We're going to give away the Unknown Ranger, and then we're going to give away this other uh, model, which unfortunately I don't remember. I think it's like Van Zant or something like that, uh, that was only available at Gen Con. And apparently, they've done it before, but that's the mm-hmm. only way you can get that model. Um, so you're, that's all going to be part of the, the Merry Mayhem raffle. So uh, that was cool. And like I said, the, the big thing for me, Gen Con, was, was doing the Malifaux because I've really gotten into Malifaux, and I'm really, really digging and enjoying that game right now. You played there then? or I did not play. The uh, well, they had, like, Gen, the Mal- uh, Weird does a lot of releases that are, that are they, they, they focus their release schedule and release, like, everything they're going to basically do for the next year comes out at Gen Con, oh, really? and you can pick it up at Gen Con, otherwise you've got to wait for it to slowly hit the release schedule for general hmm. release. So That's interesting. And, and they do open it up to, like, on the internet, that it, on their re- online retail store for, like, Gen Con, that week of Gen Con, oh, okay. that you can buy it online as well. But then after that, they take it all down, and you can't get it then until it hits its release. 
So like yeah, I picked up the uh, the Neverborns, the Neverborn new, the new Neverborn crew with uh, Titania, and and that was the only like I she's they, like I haven't seen that on the release schedule yet for when they're going to release it. So hmm. it might be two, three, four months before that even comes out to general release and general public. So. Um, but Malifaux, like they had the giant teddy this year. There are a bunch of pictures of that. Like that was really yeah. cool. Their, their booth is always really cool. <laughs> um, it's the kind of a steampunky weird game, and there's no dice in it, which is cool. I really like that. It's got like a different mechanic where you flip cards and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's a cool game. Um, and like I said, I've been really enjoying playing it lately, and we're starting to get that. I think we're starting to get it to actually take off. So, um, there's a the best way if you're doing Malifaux in the Madison area to find out about Malifaux and, and how you hook up with that is to go to. Uh, Facebook and uh, do a search for Madison Malifaux and you'll find the Facebook group and we're it's a closed group but there's like I think 15 16 members now and and we're playing almost every week yeah um, I feel like every week or every other week very regularly at least yeah so it's, it's once a week or so and hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll come on the show. I'll get a special guest or something like that in the future to to come on and we'll talk Malifaux and explain the game and mm-hmm. and how it works and the mechanics and and what it is for those of you out there that are listening to this that haven't played it. So it's definitely something of mine that's that's more. I'm I'm definitely in it. It's not something Brian's enjoying. So no, I haven't. Like I was curious to ask you, like what you you I know you like the aesthetic of it quite a bit. Is that what originally got you into it, or what did you get hooked on the mechan- like game mechanics of it? So I I've I really liked uh, the aesthetic for the Neverborn. I'm not I've never really been a big steampunk kind of player no, person. I, so, I mean, I, when I remember when War Machine came out, I, I looked at the Jacks and the steampunky nature of the game, and I was just like, eh. I still think the Jacks look super silly, but like the Men Off Inventory is like the only thing I liked. Happened to be why I play them. Which <laughs> but, when I when I picked up that game, but, I picked up Circle because I didn't have Jacks and it was yep. very nature. But the Hordes was something yeah, that came that's out after Hordes, but... after War Machine came out. So, um, but. The the big thing for me was I, I liked the Neverborn and I picked up Neverborn back in like Mark One of or the uh, version one of Malifaux. Yeah, you've had it. And one. they were all metal models. They didn't have plastics back then, but then they released they re released basically everything in plastic, and the plastics are super high quality. Like they're some of the best plastics out there. They're on they're on par with quality of GW. The kits are not the easiest to put together sometimes. Oh yeah. Cuz there are some really little itty bitty fiddly bits and stuff like that and <laughs> on the kits and and sometimes a model might take a lot of extra parts, but they're they're a little bit larger scale too than GW models. So they're they're a true 30 millimeter square yeah, they're scale. Big. So they're they're larger. There's quite um, a few I feel like there's quite a few larger models and, aside like yeah, the PN guys. And you, and you tend to play um, in the where Infinity you're talking like 15, 16 people uh, models in Malifaux you're talking uh, six to ten usually maybe Gremlins you get twelve or fifteen but um, like I've been playing everything I've played has been thirty five Soul Stone which is um, tournament play is probably fifty Soul Stones so was really not that much bigger uh, and. Uh, my games, I mean, I've been playing with six or seven models. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what I've been playing with, and it's so getting it painted up isn't and, and p- painting is inc- really encouraged. Um, but I've you know I kept the palette fairly simple for most of my Neverborn stuff. I hit a lot of it with an air- airbrush, yep. did kind of nice purple on it. It's um, fast. I like the way they look. I like I, I'm enjoying the way it plays. It's just a fun game. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about it later. I was curious if I ever did happen to play it if the game mechanic would hook me that's really what got me into bolt action was that i thought the mechanic was so cool 
Well, that's that's I thought the the mechanic was so much different. So I did a demo at Gen Con like two years ago, two or three years ago. I think I mm-hmm. talked about it on the show that year, uh, and that hooked me. And it, it, that year that it hooked me, I went and bought like a hundred dollars worth of models at the mail of a <laughs> booth. And like right after I did the demo, I went straight to the booth and bought models. And uh, then then they sat on the shelf, and I didn't really do anything until with them. And then this summer was really the first like I, I'm like. I started listening to a um, t- the Tales of Malifaux podcast, and it's done by Weird. I think I believe it's done by Weird. Yeah, you really like that. And it's just like a that. fluff story. I, all it is is a fluff kind of audio drama mm-hmm. uh, podcast, and it's just enjoyable. Like I was just looking for another audio drama, and, and that kind of sucked me in. And went like, "Oh, hey, like I'm really enjoying the fluff in the background here. I'm going to go start putting together my models and trying to find somebody to play." And the you know, next thing I knew, like I'm playing almost. I'm pl- <laughs> I can pretty much play every week I want to. Seems and like it. Now they've got a, a worldwide campaign that's going right now called Divergent Path. So you're going to kind of control. You play games, and if you win, you're going to kind of control this, help control the story arc for three new characters they're adding to the game, <laughs> um, which is not the I think I guess they do this like every year or so. So I, I, it's fun. It's enjoyable. Check it out if you want. And, and Gen Con was a perfect thing. I did the Her Starts thing. I actually did a a class for resin casting of bricks oh, as yeah, well this year. So I've got a, a thing of that and. Wow, like resin casting is far more destructive to your molds. Um, like oh, it does break them down. Yeah, you'll break it breaks them down. But you you cast with plaster, you'll basically never wreck your molds. Hmm. You resin cast, you're looking at probably a hundred to hundred and fifty casts your mold, and then you're buying another thirty five dollar mold. Which in the grand scheme of things, I still think that's a lot of bricks for thirty five dollars. Probably um, plus the cost of materials. But the the big thing was is that the resin it it sets up and is done. The whole process takes you like seven minutes from begin from you start pouring your resin, you pour it in the mold. Or you start mixing your resin, you pour it in the mold, and then it sets up, and then you're ready to cast your next set of bricks. Sure. Yeah, I know you're. You're not a like you kind of have to do like a manufacturing process to do anything with the her start and using the dental plaster. And you kind of talked it would take like a night to kind of do it all, and then it has to cure for so long. Yeah, well, you can, before you, you can get another run, and if you only have like one mold or whatever, and you have to have so many bricks to make whatever you want to make for it, it takes quite a while. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the bigger kits, you know, the bigger bigger things, the projects you're looking at casting your bricks 20 25 30 times before you can build a project that that's just prescribed from her you know like here you bought the mold you can build this but you got to cast this thing like 24 times that's gonna be like a and i can do like three, few weeks worth of work <laughs> i can cast like three rounds of bricks in an evening yeah. maybe tops realistically i could probably do a lot more but when you're casting with dental plaster you've got to you cast you've got to let it sit up 15 minutes to a half an hour depending on humidity, you want to and then you can set, pop them out yeah. the then you can pop them out of the block, and then they still have to sit 24 hours before you can do anything with them hmm. um, to get them fully cured. And so you're at best, you're probably casting your bricks like twice an hour. And the problem is, is that okay? I cast bricks down in my basement. I come upstairs, I start watching TV or something in between casting bricks, or I start doing another project, like maybe painting on models. And the next thing I know, it's an sure hour, hour and a half, two it. hours yeah. later, and I and now I've I went, oh hey. I, where I could have cast like three sets of blocks in that time, I'm only <laughs> cast one. So that's what ends up happening instead of casting like, as many times as, or making, recasting the molds like as many times as I'd like. So the resin casting, I think because you're, you're just constantly doing something, you could just take a night and just resin cast and I could pump out, you know, 40, 50 the whole set you castings, you know, maybe in a, you know, in an evening of different, from different molds. And then that would, I'd be happy. Is it harder to cast or anything? Or it's it's more 
it's it's definitely worse for your health. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Because about the resin, the resin you, you definitely have to do it in well ventilated areas, and um, definitely where I would be doing it is not well ventilated. <laughs> so uh, I would have to look at maybe modifying my area there uh, to it make the it more. You know, the gra- problem is garage. It's in Wisconsin, and my oh, garage yeah, is heated, that's so not gonna work out. I can't do it in the winter. So, mm-hmm. but I could put in like uh, I have basement windows down there that I could add like a ventilation fan yeah, some or something like that to help you know help hood and vent the fumes. And then wearing a proper safety mask, mask and materials like that would would also be big. Probably so, be essential. Yeah. So are they more? Durable. They're probably lighter in resin. I'm sure. Like the dental blaster gets pretty heavy. I feel like when you make a whole building. I I do think that they are more durable long term as well, mm-hmm. and lighter. Yes, it's yeah, definitely much be lighter. lighter. Yeah. Uh, so you you have those kind of things also going for it. And I think the bar. I think the casting methods that he was showing with resin would perf- would output a more consistent brick as well. Oh yeah. Some of those methods I might be able to take over to what I'm doing with uh, the plaster. plaster casting to make more consistent bricks. Because I have had a little bit, little bit of an issue. And, and, and it, you do get a little bit of an issue. Like if you don't quite mix this batch of plaster quite the same, if it's a little bit more runny this time and a little less runny next time, the different you might get a little bit of a difference in the way your bricks finally ultimately turn out hmm. um, with... Uh, uh, plaster casting, which honestly, I you could fix or address that like by measuring things more accurately yeah. and stuff like that. So more precision, uh, which is more precision. I'm sure the resin has got to cost more. It seems like you can get a big box of dental plaster relatively cheap, but I can't imagine reg- resin being too cheap. Honestly, the dental plaster is not necessarily as cheap as you'd think because it's no. pretty heavy. You still get um, a big box of it, I guess. Uh, but I haven't really priced out what uh, what the resin would cost me to, to do. I just I just wanted to take the class and learn the techniques mm-hmm. and kind of go from there and see where I want to go uh, with it. So I might want to do like, uh, you know, start looking at doing things like maybe resin casting bases or oh, yeah. or resin casting some other projects, um, doing walls to buildings or something like that. Opens um, up new territory. You know, I could, I could do, th- like I could good, and I could see myself getting into doing mold making and maybe casting uh, some things like terrain because it, like doing things like we, we've already kind of mentioned Mary Mayhem a little bit here, but you know, doing things like the tournaments and stuff like that, or pr- producing for a game store or or bases for miniatures. If I'm doing something in bulk like this Dark Elf project that I'm I'm probably going to do, or mm-hmm. or my next bolt action army or whatever that like my Japanese bolt action army that I've got sitting on the sitting on the shelf waiting to be put together. Uh, you actually have a whole Japanese army. Right? I have a lot of Japanese from a Kickstarter that I got that oh. are sitting in a box right now, waiting for me to just do anything with them. Yikes! <laughs> um, I had one more question. Oh, has have they done resin casting of her start for a while? Like, I have never seen a full resin cast building of her start myself. Uh, they I'm, have been doing resin casting for a while, uh, for a long time. Sure, but it, I think it's getting more popular with with more people hmm. and the the guy who does the the classes in particular at gen con 
has only been doing resin casting for about two years. So oh, yeah. um, it's just been kind of something new for him and, and for him to teach. But it was really cool to watch the process and, and actually make my own bricks with resin, uh, with the two-part resin. It was really cool to, to, to see that whole thing kind of go together and how fast it would it was. It really was super fast. That sounds like a big improvement. And I like the idea of the overall building being a little lighter too because if you get a pretty big building, I feel like it's kind of heavy when you're doing the plaster. And there was other things that he was doing, like as the plaster started to set up, you could you could make things like icicles really easily with it, which would be really nice to add to, like say, a winter terrain or something like that. And can or, you like? Well, it's kind of a random question. Can you actually dye the plaster or resin? I was just wondering if you're making like a stone thing, if you can make it like a stone color before you go. I think you can buy I've resin never seen in different colors. That. I'm not sure if you can dye it or not. Although I did, I I watched a, a video that uh, Terrain Wench did uh, many many yeah, probably two three years ago Almost. now four years ago probably now where she poured resin and she mixed a little bit of paint with it oh, yeah. and got a and made it red <laughs> and she was basically pouring like a pool of blood. And I like to say I've that was done like that the, myself. Was that like the clear water resin? Yeah, I know you can well, mix it, it in with that. Res- it was still yeah, a two-part. It resin. still works that way, but it's just the clear stuff for water. Um, I was wondering if you could throw like some dye powder or something into a plaster and how that would turn out to make it more of a gray or something. And like a lot of things are stone. But... Well, with with uh, just dental plaster, I can buy done. gray gray dental plaster without, and it doesn't cost anymore. Sure. So um, I've just always picked up white or whatever. Yeah. Which, in hindsight, like I think I'd, I think I'd want to pick up a, my next batch of dental plaster will probably be a gray, just because uh, then if it chips or something like that, oh, it's true. less noticeable. Yeah, it's even better. So that's I think that's you know, there were a lot of other things that I did at Gen Con um, that was was cool or fun or interesting, but those highlights. are kind of the highlights, and it's been a while, and we have. Yeah, we have our our thing that we want to probably talk about the most <laughs> uh, on this show, and that's all of the releases that have been coming out of Warlord Games uh, lately. So, uh, first off, you already mentioned Conflict Forty Seven. Yeah, that's probably the first timeline wise ish. So, what is Conflict Forty Seven? Well, Conflict Forty Seven, as we said, it's kind of a spin off of Bolt Action. I mean, it's not really; it is a standalone game. It's not really a supplement or anything like that, but it does use pretty much. Any model you play in Bolt Action, you can play in Conflict 47. Like the Armies of books actually transfer over, but there is its own rule book. It does use slightly different rules. Um, I don't think I've read through. I've read through quite a bit of it. I wouldn't know say that I've done it entirely. I, I kind of read read through trying to look for the differences between that and what I know from Bolt Action. But the big thing they worked into it is kind of reactions and which kind of supplements like the close combat they're trying to make a little bit different into the game, but. The reactions is the biggest change to the game, and and what is so so it's it's it sounds like it's a bolt action variant, but what's yeah, I guess the, I didn't actually explain the theme the story, of it. What's the theme <laughs> background of of it that makes it different than bolt action? Well, why, why would I be interested in this where I might not be interested in bolt action? Well, it is called Conflict Forty Seven. It's kind of like an alternate history thing. Like it seems like they don't really want to call it a weird war situation, but it is uh, the aesthetic is kind of along that lines. Um, I guess the storyline goes, I I think you're playing in 47, but like the nuclear testing like opened up these like two rifts. Like I think one was in the US, wasn't it? And the yeah. other's in like Germany or something. Yeah, I don't remember so- exactly where. But then they're getting like this information, some kind of signal they like decoded through this rifts and 
opened up the door to like all this different technology. So it's kind of like regular tech and there's also like some biotech and stuff going on like the uh Germany and the Soviets kind of got in the the biotech realm. I guess another interesting tidbit of it um is that the Soviets actually broke away from the allies now and most of their tech it seems like they're kind of getting f- like ripping off or stealing from the Germans a bit. They well they have to cuz um, if I remember from the fluff, so you're you're right. They, there were two there were the two rifts. Yeah, I think the, the rift was German. The Americans, instead of dropping a nuclear bomb on Japan, mm-hmm. had it drop dropped it on Germany, which opened up the rift there. Uh, and then the testing rift opened up in the U.S. Yep. And the U.S. has some uh, uh, genetic genetics type uh, uh, bio as well because they have like super soldiers now. Do they? Uh, yeah, basically. Well, they're, they're basically Captain America like super soldiers. Oh, really? I guess I didn't catch that. I've actually. Um... I guess I did mention it that I actually went the German route with the conflict of 47. So I haven't actually read at it, any of it, but I guess the tech wise, there's like heavy infantry and like biotech and like obviously different tanks and different weapons. Like the Tesla gun is kind of the new thing for the Americans. And I think the British run it too. And then like the Germany has like a gravity tank, which kind of, somehow concentrates gravity against the opponent and then soviets have like a sound wave weapon so they all kind of have their own little different flavors i didn't mention like the tech actually has walker tanks too so that's kind of interesting um like the u.s have like a bipedal walker i think i guess they actually have a light and heavy one so there's kind of a smaller one and then the big like grizzly kind of tank one and it's kind of a similar situation in Germany. There's like a small like kind of scout walker, and then they also have a bigger one. And I think Soviets have some walkers, but they haven't come out. Yeah, we model haven't yet. seen it because uh, they're Soviets, kind of later. I think the... the Soviets are due for release in December, which has mm-hmm. kind of kept me. I'm, I, I I looked at conflict, and I'm like, I'm going to. You do haven't delved in yet because they have like ice bears and stuff like that uh-huh. in the Soviets, and I'm like, ooh, ice bears and and <laughs> and cool stuff to add to my Soviets, which would maybe look really cool with my winter destroyed city basing mm-hmm. scheme uh which is you know my stalingrad themed soviets i thought that would be really cool to kind of add in to them so i've been i'm i'm tentatively waiting to see what the models look like when they release the soviet yeah. stuff there are uh, some pictures of them like there's like a 15 millimeter range like they did it through a partnership of um i can't remember the uh clockwork goblin i think yeah that's it was the name of the company so they're actually kind of producing these miniatures there's like a 15 millimeter scale and then the 28 mil bolt action stuff. So on the Clockwork Goblin site, they actually have a little more um, of some like uh, 3D renders of some earlier versions of the models and stuff. And in the rule book, you can actually catch some pictures of like Soviet walkers and stuff too. I I'm, I realized I did get sidetracked with the storyline thing that it they're really pointing out that it varies from Weird War, that there's no magic. It's all kind of tech-based and like genetics-based stuff. So there's... They're staying out of the magic, but realm they still have like uh, like the Germans still have werewolves, yeah, and, that's and like vampire, and it's a weird take on a vampire, but it is a vampire. Yeah, I don't know and, if there's gonna be vampire. Like there's the uh, Nacht Jager, which are like basically a vampire, kinda. I mean, it's the same kind of idea, but supposedly they crossed like crocodile, bat, and like some other kind of DNA to make this weirdo flying like gator mouth looking thing and then they <laughs> like, have uh like the they, they have, have like the werewolf thing the and were they bears, have zombies. Said. oh they yeah have zombies. the toten corpse yeah which i guess was actually like a big thing like it did follow the same timeline i can't remember when the rifts opened but it more or less saved germany's bacon like the zombie 
animation thing. Yeah, the Battle of the Bulge. Is where they kind of turned the tide and kind of pushed pushed back. Like, I guess the zombies were kind of like a last resort thing. They still consider them as because it weirds people out on both sides, I guess, <laughs> having dead <laughs> stuff walking around. But they're, even in the rules-wise, they're super resilient and just kind of don't stop. They don't care about the pin markers or anything like that. So mm, Praise. Yeah. So, so that's so that's conflict forty seven, and yeah. and it's and it's cool in the fact that you, if you play bolt action currently, you can play your bolt action army. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy another model. You can just play you're against your buddy who's playing conflict forty seven, yep. and use a slightly different rule set. So you can already go do that today. And then if you want to play, if you want to take your bolt action army and add a walker, mm-hmm. you can do that too. And and it's perfectly fine and adjustable. I'm really anxious to get a game of it. Like I'm, I think I would probably finish building my Germans first before I get into it so I can actually play with some of the new stuff. But I'm really, like, the reaction system sounds pretty cool. Like, you can react to, uh, I guess in Bolt Axe, you can really only react if you had ambushed already or um, if you're getting assaulted, you can usually do kind of like a stand and shoot. But in Bolt, in the Conflict 47, you can pretty much react to anything. You can react to getting fired at. You can react to somebody charging you. You can react to a lot of different things. So I haven't actually played it, so it's not really set in my mind very well. And then the con- uh, close combat works out a little different too, where you have like you have to opt if you like shoot your guys or if you close like hand to hand them. So like there's a different order of things where like you'll get whoever chose to shoot will actually get to go first or simultaneous if you both shoot. And then if somebody chose to do straight close combat, combat, that comes okay. after. But and that was kind of work to work in the close combat type units because like the werewolves and stuff aren't carrying guns or anything like that. But so. I, I think the werewolves and things like that might get they 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 get a little bit of extra buff. There's in, a lot of extra in, rules in there. Like um, I don't remember what like resilient or something might be one of the rules. Yeah. Like there's a similar one in bolt action, but it works a lot different. Like there's pretty much one that I guess I mean I would call it like a five plus ward save kind of thing it's if you take a casualty you roll a dice and on a five or better you ignore it essentially yeah the zombies and have that and i think the werewolves or something have that too yeah there's other stuff that makes them harder to kill too and there's like different things where like they can see at night in like a night game or something if you played and stuff like that and a lot of interesting there's lots of special rules in there i guess it's even more it, i mean it's quite a bit more than um just like the uh, reaction rules so there's a lot of special rules that a lot of the different troops have so i'm pretty interested to get, get a game of it and for the most part i'm pretty satisfied with the models like some of them are a little hit or miss for me but most of them are pretty good yep and i think uh, i think because of that interest you can expect us to sit down at some point in the future uh, probably after i've picked up my copy yeah. of, of conflict 47 and we've played a couple of games and do a more in-depth review of the game itself mm-hmm. and what the differences are, really, really the differences are between Conflict 47 and Bolt Action. Yeah. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and talk about the other big Warlord Games news that we care about anyways, ah, which is Bolt, Bolt Action 2.0. Yeah, second edition is now a thing. It is officially out. It's being um, shipped. Brian is still, Some people have it in their hands. Brian's still impatiently I hope waiting. there's a box. I don't know. I was hoping it would have showed up, but oh well. Yeah, so... <laughs> Mine showed up yesterday, which is cool. Um, we've we, we've uh, we're able to play a game with second edition today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not go well for me. <laughs> it did not. Uh, but that was more so because I think I played. I I made some bad decisions in the game, and 
I played some things incorrectly that I should have done differently. Your but list wasn't not, optimized. Yeah, they were. And my list wasn't quite optimized, but yeah. uh, it was more so that I played uh, in a way that wasn't. It wouldn't have mattered which edition of Bolt Action it was. No, I just played in a way that yeah. it just did not work out right. But uh, there are a lot, a number of big changes to Bolt Action Second Edition. So if you if you guys that aren't familiar with Bolt Action, uh, Bolt Action is a World War II 28 millimeter game by uh, Warlord Games. We've talked about it before like on the it show. Yep. Um, it uses a really cool order dice mechanic. So you everybody everybody's units generate a single order dice. Um, you put uh, your opponent's dice in your dice, so they have to be different colors in a bag. Um, these could be standard six-sided dice, or you can buy. Well, they gotta be same. Yeah, you technically, yeah. yeah, they just have to be the same size. Everybody's stuff's gotta be in the same side size. And then you pull one of these out of the bag, and if it's your opponent's color, they get to activate one of their units. And if it's your color, you get to activate one of your units. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as your units come under fire, they take pins, which make them. Harder to activate if when if when you go to choose to give them an order uh, for them to activate in their turn sequence. So that's the basics. That's mm-hmm. the basic mechanic for bolt action. Second edition had a number of changes to it uh, that make I I think make for a better gaming experience. I really I feel like it was a very well refinement kind of of the rules. Like not really any huge sweeping changes or rehashes or anything like that. There, there are a couple of things that uh, I, I'm, I'm yet to see, or I need to get make sure that I, I like I made a big mistake taking an HE fire, or that I knew I was going to take, and I didn't spread my models out, and so instead oh, yeah. of getting like three or four models hit, I got all of the models hit. Uh, so that was a mistake I made today. And that's based on HE using templates, I guess is yep. one of the so, bigger changes. So that is yep one of the first changes. So. Uh, HE using templates, um, whether that's uh, mortars, which I actually think the mortars suffer quite a bit from this because, like the the small and medium mortars are now like a one inch or two inch template, yeah. which really doesn't hit very many models. Typically, if you spread like at out. most, you would probably get six. I think probably, yeah. Which is, I mean, you, it was a D six before, so I don't know. It's not too far off. Like the templates do hit automatic like whatever they touch is hit now so instead of a dice roll you're getting templates with it and it does make for some more in like realistic layouts of models and stuff like that and like yeah this shell actually hit here and killed these guys so i like it quite a bit it did kind of skew some of the um like the effectiveness of the various levels of weapons a bit as you were getting into well, if everybody, I think one of the big, everybody's biggest complaints in first edition was big HE. Everybody H-E was taking was HE and HE, face. and yeah, yeah. it was wrecking face, and it was just leading units, and it was far. It was very easy button. I remember mm-hmm. playing you with uh, uh, with uh, my Germans, and I took a Stu forty two, and and that <laughs> thing with its medium howitzer, driving that tank with a mobile tank, so I could get in positions where I could silly. have like. Yeah, sure. I'd take a movement penalty, but then with the the range point of that blank medium howitzer, too. well, yeah, the point blank howitzer to the face was hilarious <laughs> on units like that was. But it was it was so it did so much damage to units, which he at, at those kind of ranges probably should, but at those kind of ranges, it was never really used or implemented that way. No. Um, so I think it brings with bring without adjusting the points. I think the templates bring the he type weapons into balance for what their cost for what their points cost because typically the he guns are less points than the equivalent anti-tank guns 
which oh, yeah. are much harder to use. Like today in our game, I draw, I brought a pack. I brought a German pack forty. So I played Germans versus Brian's Americans and anti tank guns in bolt action, if, especially the static ones, the ones that are vehicle mounted. You know, like a, a normal a tank are, are much better because you can move them and get them into position. But any tank guns are hard to move in mm-hmm. bolt action. They're very fixed weapons, very fixed firing arcs, and trying to get that like perfect shot or get a shot on a on, a, on an armored vehicle is fairly hard since mm-hmm. bolt action typically you don't have a lot of armored vehicles on the table. And typically there's a fair amount of terrain too. Yeah, that so are blocking sight lines and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, and so. While I did get a great opportunity with for a three plus shot on a, on your Sherman yeah. today, uh, and I just unfortunately shot, I missed but, the yeah. dice roll. Uh, Yay! So First I, time my Sherman was on the table, you better not take it. Yeah, and I missed it with a pack forty <laughs> at like darn near point blank range, like it was in the side too. Even it was like the perfect shot. It yeah. was just rolled three plus to hit, roll the two. Ah, grr. so it did uh, live that. Half track did live from one of my shots that hit it, and I rolled a one yeah, to but, damage. Yeah, but you, you hit every like every time you shot, just about you hit. So uh, true. So there was that. <laughs> or uh, I think I missed the. I think you did miss. I think I missed your whatever the rocket one was. Yeah, I think you did one miss of the that later one. turns, but mm-hmm. that was probably too the only miss consequential. You had. But yeah. Uh, but uh, so that so templates on HE definitely. I think I think that brings HE back into line with the game. Uh, bring, making it more balanced, mm-hmm. making it more effective. Another big rule change for Bolt Action 2.0 is the uh, command models, like your lieutenants and majors, being able to uh, give, give um, basically allowing you to activate additional units when they activate if, that are within mm-hmm. X amount of inches. And so, uh, as an example, in our game today, uh, my lieutenant was next to nearby. I had a first lieutenant, which allows you to activate up to two additional units. So you pull those two additional units worth of dice out of the bag automatically for free uh, when you activate the lieutenant, which lets you so basically let me activate three units at once, mm-hmm. um, which was able to help me rush forward more units uh, and and get position on a ta- on the table. And at that point in the game, I thought that was a really big move for me was being able to get those units into cover, out of firing lanes, um, and in better positions. And and being able to do that all at once was big. Um, you didn't really take advantage of it much yourself, but that was um, particularly like a, I see valued. P- people never oh, took yeah. uh, commanders like captains or majors before, um, but now I could really see the value because majors, not only majors give you four units you can activate as well as the major. They get a bigger range. They get a 12-inch yeah. range bubble of that. So you could really take like a... I, I, I can see taking a German army now with a lieutenant and a major and a bunch of elite stuff. And yeah, sure, I don't have very many dice in that bag, but I basically need two dice pulls mm-hmm. to activate everything I have on the table. Yeah, I don't know if you can chain the with me things either. I don't know how the rules are worded. Like if you're, uh, whatever the, you just said the word, I can't even remember. The, the major the major could activate a lieutenant. I'm not sure how that would work out. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure it's, there. but yeah, sounds very like cheese, ridiculous. but I guess... You basically get, okay, I got one of my draws, and I just yeah. activated basically everything in my army. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, everything would have to be fairly close. I mean, 12 inches is a pretty big range, but 6 inches isn't too far. Like, It'd be almost I, an 18-inch bubble between yeah. major and lieutenant. Depending on how they're it. placed, yeah. But that is a really cool change. Like, I like that it puts, like, something of interest on the commanders. Like, I... I 
never really saw the um leadership bubble boost like being that helpful like even between like a second and a first lieutenant like it didn't really seem to make that much difference ever to me yeah, really so points, like 100 and some points i think you had to pay for a major was just like yeah i would ever pay for yeah. that i feel like they're kind of unlikely in the scale like of like a single platoon thing but now that they have a bigger role i mean you still got to pay the points for the model and stuff and that's a pretty pretty cool rule like i really like that it gives some flavor to the yeah, it's still it's still a big risk to take one maybe at a at a thousand points or twelve hundred yeah. point game because you don't have enough stuff. But if you start moving up, and that guy could just get killed. If you, too. If you start playing <laughs> like a, a fifteen hundred two thousand point game, I could really see that being mm-hmm. a factor. Um, another another kind of uh, interesting or bigger change is that the transports now can fire a single gun even if they're not loaded, which. I think everybody really wanted that to happen. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in, uh, like, the .NET rules or whatever, which just kind of shows you what people were looking for, for sure. And it sounds reasonable to me. I like I like that they did make it one gun. If you could still fire all of them with, like, three or four guns on, like, a half-track or something, that sounds kind of silly Yeah, that would, to that have would that wrong. much crew. But it makes sense if it's loaded up. But, but being able to fire one gun that, like, I feel like it actually gives a reason to like putting a gun on a transport. Like transports kind of had it rough already, but if you like, I never saw the point of putting a gun on it because essentially most of the time when you're using a transport, it's like one move and then your guys come out. Like very rarely were they in there longer to use any more than shots with it. So yeah, well, and I, I think like like Germans always had like they you bring the handmaids to the field. Well, the, the field kit for the handmaid was a driver and a gunner, and mm-hmm. then you would transport your guys. So the when the guys weren't in it, it still had a gunner because the intent was the blitzkrieg. We're going to use this to get our guys to the front and yeah. then jump out and shoot. It makes a lot uh, more and sense. still be able to be participating in the battle. So it it definitely makes more sense um, from a historical standpoint. It makes it makes them more of a role, especially when you're looking at half tracks versus taking just a normal truck. Because mm-hmm. like a half track cost you for an armored transport would cost you like seven. Uh, 70 points or so and a truck cost you which is one point less armor but like yes it can 20. die to small arms cost you like 35 <laughs> points like yeah. that that didn't work out well no um, now armored I, transports I really had armored rough. transports make are far more useful couple that with uh the change to lmgs and mmgs yep so they get more dice and more range and more well the lmg gets more range mm-hmm. making it fi- i think you're still paying 20 points per lmg guy but getting 36 inch range versus that 30 inch range and then getting one more uh, shot is a four big dice deal. versus three dice i think both of those make it far more effective and make it more points efficient couple that with the changes to assault rifles they're now down yeah. to an 18 inch range I really, I had a, I had a big assault rifle squad today, and I was like, because Germans are basically the only army that can take assault rifles, and uh, I had five assault rifles, and I felt like the entire game that they couldn't really do anything because I had them out on flank. You didn't have anything over there. No, nope. they were all they were doing was just basically running for, running for an objective, and that was it. And that, that felt compared to the way that unit played before, that felt so. Eh. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you did get a shot, they're still going to put a lot of hurt into something. But, I mean, that's that's not what they ended up in with the game. But I would be interested to see more of that, where how the 18-inch range affects them in more games. The other thing is then when we talk assault weapons, assault weapons and tough fighter. 
Yeah, that's been a challenge. Tough Fighter was was re, uh, was a rule that allowed a unit that was armed. If it, you basically got, if you had one attack, you got two attacks. But if you had two attacks, say like you were armed with an SMG, it did nothing for you before. Yeah. Now Tough Fighter uh, makes it so that every time you get a, and, and these are attacks in close combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, now every time you get an attack with Tough Fighter, uh, you're when you for each attack. If you roll a success, successful wound, you get to roll another dice. Now, that doesn't continue to stack, so if you, the next dice you roll is a successful wound, you don't get more attacks. You only get, so if you roll, like, so your first roll, you get 10 attacks, because you got a 10-man squad with rifles. You roll 10 dice, you get 5 hits. You get to pick up 5 more dice and throw 5 more attacks. But you don't get to then chain those 5 if you no, get successes. It's, just, it's yeah, just, one, just one more batch. One time. Where this becomes interesting is now assault weapons gain the tough fighter rule. Mm-hmm. So your SMGs automatically, your your uh, assault rifles automatically get tough fighter as well. So these weapons have two attacks plus the extra uh, SWAT, which makes them incredibly Shoot. brutal in combat. I think I messed that up <laughs> in our game today. Now that I think about it, I think I only rolled one shot for my SMGs when I assaulted deer rifle or uh, rocket handbag no, thing. No, you rolled. I rolled two dice, but I had two SMGs in there. Oh yeah, yeah. you missed it. Yeah, you two attacks each. Or you two, yeah, for each one. Because I think I think it's actually does the weapon stat is what gives you the two attacks. Yes. Because I read the assault rule and then I kind of forgot about the two attacks. I guess because the assault rule just says you gain tough fighter essentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the gun is actually what has the two attacks. So. Yep. So darn it, that thing probably, probably would have died. Probably would have got it. I needed one more hit. Around, yeah. <laughs> oh well. So. Uh, much, much. A lot of those changes make the game, uh, I think, play still the same. Um, but I like that machine guns are a little better, like especially for the Germans. They still get their extra dice too. Yeah, so. at least for right now, we don't know. I mean, there like, is a new armies of Germany yeah, coming out on the I would, horizon, so we don't know exactly. I but, feel like that'll stick around. I hope it's but. printed in the rule book. So yep. in the big rule book, it has all five of the major factions. Oh, that is true. Uh, rules. So they did add the Japanese to the mm-hmm. core rule book as well. Um, so they have all five of the major powers in the core rule book with their special rules. So you, if you buy Bolt Action Second Edition, you can just buy the rules and you will get all the points all the mm-hmm. rules for your models there's so more you can play your first few games more detail in the armies of books so yeah. if you're planning more, to run a certain army for sure pick it up but. more details more units yep. more uh, pretty much everything but you know for, for getting started the core rules have everything mm-hmm. that you. that's the same do. way with the conflict 47 one too there's actually no like faction books or anything now it's just all in the core book but they don't have. I don't think they have Japanese in the core book right nope. now. So if you that no. was like the one thing. Like if you're a Japanese True. player or a miners power player, you right now don't have rules yeah. for I conflict. Think people are kind of excited to see what will turn up for Japanese and conflict too. So. And I, I think the success of conflict right now has brought more attention to uh, potentially doing a book. They want. They definitely yeah. wanted to put it out there and see what the success was of the game itself, and they've. I've, they've seen a lot of success with it. I mean, Gen Con, on Saturday at Gen Con, by the time I was talking to the Warlord guys, they had one box. They were selling Conflict. It was basically early release there at Gen Con. Yeah. They had one box of Conflict left on the shelf to sell at that point. It was a American starter, and I was like, ah. I almost bought it, and then I'm like, <laughs> ah, I really don't want to play Americans in this game, and I have way too many U.S. models to add more U.S. infantry. Yeah, yeah I don't... I had kind of a weird decision there, too. Like, I don't know. I've always been interested in playing Germany, like in bolt action or otherwise, and I thought this was a really good excuse 
<laughs> well, yeah, and they got the new Grenadier models that are out now, mm-hmm. the new plastics, which are, are probably the best German plastics out there. So it's really a nice time if you're starting a German army to be yeah. able to get those models. And, like, they did, I think it ended today, actually, as we were recording it. They did, like, a pre-release thing with the, if you pre-ordered, like, the Bolt Action 2.0 book, you would get a free infantry box with it. Like, I think they exclusively did it to, like, previous Bolt Action customers, but I think then they released it to everybody for, like, Another certain amount of time. Uh, that, they did sell out the so the first printing of a bolt action hardcover book. Yeah. For second edition is completely sold out. Yeah, they're waiting on a second wave yeah, now. Yeah. So this is basically. I think this was more trying to encourage people to buy pre-buy copies of the second printing. Yep. Which I almost did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I only have the, I only bought the Band of Brothers box. So I got the the paperback book, and once I got it. You're I not was, impressed as much. I I really wanted the feel. Of that. I'm I'm missing the feel of that hardcover book oh, really? now. I like that it's a little smaller. I guess, but, this, but it's still pretty is thick. So, so thick, like yeah. I, really, I wonder how like, fit in I my case. Hardcover. Interesting. <laughs> um. So, I think that that covers. Yeah. Uh, did any other thing else you want to talk about? Bolt action or conflict? Uh, I don't know that we need to. I think we are planning to do like a bolt action 2.0, like lay out all the changes exactly. Like that's just kind of a brief overview. There is more. Yeah, little think, tidbits in there that I, we didn't talk about, but I think we want to we want to dig into um, as a, on a future show. Really dig into once we both have our own copies of the rules. Yeah, <laughs> into all the changes and what our tactical kind of impressions on how this is going to impact gameplay. Yeah, and we'll probably br- see if we can bring in a special guest to kind of help elaborate more on that uh, discussion as well. So. Uh, look for that in the future, but hopefully we've we've covered enough of the changes to Bolt Action Second Edition that can give you a feel for why uh, you might want to start playing or picking up mm-hmm. the rules or start playing this game or be excited about it. Yeah, as well. I feel like it's getting very well refined in this edition. I guess, like, I mean, I liked it before, but there was kind of these itching kind of nuance, like there were some things were some that were kind of obnoxious. Things, yeah. yeah, so I think they really addressed. Like, I'm not sure that they didn't address anything like that. I guess, I don't know, Reki is probably worth mentioning that it you can't react if you already took your order, which is a pretty big change to it, because that was pretty crazy before. I, I think that makes, that brings, like... It, it brings it in check, it brings it in more check, realistically. And it, not only that, but it like... It takes ca- Cav down the a notch. Big, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. cavalry, which is cavalry, which is still incredibly brutal in close combat. Should not and really be fast, effective in World War II territory. They were, yeah, they were about. far too easy. It's, okay, I come in and then I wreck you away from danger yep. and get out of shots because of my speed. Now, if you're going to go be aggressive with your cavalry, you're stuck out there and mm-hmm. you're going to take it and they're not any more durable than infantry. So, yeah, you're paying, it, 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 it definitely brings them yeah. more, much more in line. That definitely turned me off my Hellcat a little bit, which I'm kind of sad about. But I don't know. I did throw a Sherman on the table today, so that was pretty fun. But overall, I feel like nothing is that sweeping or crippling of a change or anything. Like I feel like nothing got like nerf hammered, you know, real hard. Some stuff just got kind of taken down a little bit. So yeah, I don't see like, anything. It's not really invalidating any of your models or anything like that. That's for sure. So nothing is yes, nothing is. I was going to say nothing that I have in any of my armies. Yeah, uh, I feel. I mean, like I haven't it's even. Been, it's unplayable now. I haven't if, even changed my list as I throw it on the if, table. If like, I had built like a Polish lancers all cavalry army or something like that, because that was <laughs> I guess ridiculously that was stupid suck. over the yeah. top. Uh, before, yeah, actually, I guess it wasn't stupid over the top, but it was rough. Before, you might be 
a little upset right now. But yeah. if you played, if you were, if you were playing bolt action with a very general army with riflemen, with a couple of vehicles, uh, with some MMGs or yeah. howitzers or anti-tank guns or whatever, a more general like this is what you would have seen on the battlefield type list. You're going, eh? It's second edition. My stuff does some different stuff. That's kind of interesting. It's still fun and awesome. Exactly. <laughs> so, but that being said, I think we. Go ahead and wrap the show up. Uh, so we covered today uh, Gen Con. We covered today the Age of Sigmar General's Handbook a little bit. We covered Conflict 47, and we covered uh, Bolt Action 2nd Edition. So a lot of content, a lot of things we covered. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing we got into too deep, but just enough to, to kind of get you exposed to it. Wet your whistle. And wet your whistle, and hopefully we'll be able to get together and record again sometime in the near future uh, when Brian's got his Bolt Action 2nd Edition book. So that we can... Or we play see, a game of Conflict 47. Or we play a game of... Well, I, I'll, I'll play I guess it. I will wait a bit. I will you. play a game of Conflict yeah. 47. I'm just not going to be able to put anything Conflict 47-y on the table. Yeah. Um, of course, I would, play my Amer- I would play Americans against you in Conflict. That'd be interesting. Because you have... Flip the tables. Oh, no. You you only got the German stuff. You didn't buy... Because it's not a... Two, oh. It's not... You, no. You yeah, the, box. yeah, they only released a starter box for the U.S. And there's not like a... A game starter box. There's a starter for Americans and starter for starter. Germany right now. Yeah, yep. faction only, and you can buy the rule book separate. But yep. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, we'll, we'll we could always proxy something. too. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think I've, I would I've like some 40k walkers. It's cool. I'll just put that dreadnought on the table. It'd be okay. <laughs> it would. I mean, it would pretty much work the same way. And I mean, the Tesla some, tank is just like a turret swap for my, and stuff for my heavy infantry. It'll be okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of holding off spending more money but i want to pick up a few more things too but i mean it would be really cool just to get a game yeah and i think there's other people that have the game that have picked up conflict as well yeah i haven't really talked to our local kind of bolt action group but i don't know this definitely seems popular all right so with that being said uh sidetrack our wrap-up yeah sidetrack our wrap-up a little bit there (laughs) uh but uh, make sure that you uh, on top of all this stuff you can catch all all of our coverage and content uh on our website at wiscodice.com what was that website wiscodice.com yep that's right it was wiscodice.com so make sure you go to our website and check out we've been blogging a bit uh on there um i do plan on doing or brian will end up doing a review of the new band of brothers box for bolt action second edition um very similar to what we wrote up for um, articles on bolt action first edition and mm-hmm. the two player starter box and then how and then I wrote a compliment article to Brian's which was how to expand your force yeah, you from that, that box uh, and expect I think we'll do articles like that again both for hopefully both for uh, uh, the new Band of Brothers box, and then expanding from it, and then uh, maybe we'll flip flop it, and I'll do the review of the Band of Brothers box, and you can write up yeah, the how do I expand from it box, or whatever. And then uh, uh, we've got a, uh, some other stuff that's been going up lately. Uh, yeah, pictures I of models, have some stuff hobby wise I should throw up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you can interact with the host and interact with the show if you get things you want to hear us talk about or things that you're looking forward to seeing or. or or knowing about another show, you send us an email, uh, hosts at wiscodice.com. Uh, we'll Facebook get it. We'll, we'll catch it. Yep, Facebook. We have our Facebook group uh, that you can, it's a closed group you can join and and post your questions or say, hey, you want to, you know, stuff. We, we've been, we typically post a lot of stuff to our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a Twitter account as well. You can tweet, uh, tweet us at, at wiscodice. I don't think we're as active on that. I definitely don't check it very often. No. Um, and then you can, uh, uh, go ahead and catch us on Google Plus as well. Uh, we do have a, a Wisco Dice uh, Google Plus uh, account that we log into every once in a while. 
uh, and check. So, you know, we have lots of ways, no matter how you get on the Internet and, and interact uh, or, or whatever your choice of social media is, we pretty much are already there. Um, so make sure you check us out. Until later, peace out. Adios, amigos. Ba 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 ba